When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back for another week of defense with Coach DJ Elliott, longtime defensive coordinator at the FBS level. And today we're going to focus on Michigan. We'll get into some of the things they do with their personnel in multiple fronts, as well as some techniques they use to take away various routes and route combinations from the offense. And we'll get into one of Coach's favorite things, the Sims, and something he looks for every week. I think Coach talks about a Sim every week. So, Coach. Great to have you back here this week, and we're excited to talk about the Michigan defense. I'm glad to be here. It was fun to watch. Let's start with some of the things that you noticed, just on the the basics of the approach of Michigan and what they're going to do versus various personnel groups. And you did see and noted that against 12 and 21, you're going to see 3-4 personnel, and then against 11 personnel, you're going to see a nickel and a four-man front. So talk to us what you saw and the reason that you feel Michigan was doing that. Michigan is very similar to Georgia and Alabama, which we've already talked about, and the fact that their personnel that matched the offensive personnel would be 3-4 if it was 12 or 21 look, but then it would be a nickel defense if it was 11 personnel. And versus 12 and 21, with that 3-4 personnel, I saw them in under – I saw them in some tight. I saw them in some bare. And Northwestern, I think, was trying to take advantage of that early because they were getting in 11 looks out of 12 personnel. So what they were trying to do is get Michigan to put their big people on the field and to call their big people defenses and attack them from 11 personnel formations and plays with 12 personnel out there. And early in the game, I don't know if it was just called or if it was checked, but from 12 personnel, Northwestern was an empty and Michigan was in bare cover one, two snaps in a row against 50 with their three, four personnel. I also saw them out of their three, four personnel running a pressure that's called strike, which is uh, two off the edge from the field and then um, trap coverage to the field and then inverted halves. Uh, to the boundary, and they ran this versus a twins formation, a slot formation. So there's two wideouts on one side, two backs, and a tight end to the other side. And you're trying to show with this pressure that you are in a single high defense and that your outside backer to the field is just 
a rush and that your safety, your field safety has come down and is covering number two, and then your boundary safety is in the middle of the field, and then off the snap indicator, that field safety blitzes, and then the strong, or I should say field outside linebacker, runs a technique that I call a track, and then the boundary safety that's showing that he's the middle of the field player, he slides over and plays a half to the field, and then the corner plays a trap. So the disguise is we want to show single high, and we want to show that the field outside linebacker is coming uh, as a rush player. And then off the snap indicator, you go into two off the edge from the field, and you play trap to the field. Now, those pressures, those techniques for those pressures off the field, when you bring two off any edge, the inside technique is called a track, which means he's going to attack the V of the neck of the tackle, and if the tackle blocks down, okay, he's going to come off his butt, bend and chase and spill anything. But if the, if the V of the neck of the tackle comes out, then he's going to come under. Mm-hmm. And then the outside pressure is called a razor. And a razor technique, his aiming point is the deepest back. He's going to the quarterback off of any boot or zone read look that he may get. And he's the contained rusher on a pass. And then it's a two-trap coverage. Really common blitz from 3-4 teams versus 12 and 21 personnel offenses. You know, like I said, it marries with a single high outside backer rush from the field. Now, with that, to the nub side, to the to just the tight end side, you know, you slant the line, and and now the corner is playing inverted halves on the tight end, which means the outside backer is playing the flat in the corner. It's a cheat half, which means he's going to line up at eight. It's going to play that vertical man-to-man once it declares vertical. But he's in the run fit now. And so where he fits is critical. You know, one thing as a defensive coordinator that I found – can be a problem in defending the run is if you're not playing corners over is getting your corners enough looks to where they fit versus nub tight ends and making sure that they are executing the proper technique on defending the run. It's a common problem because that's not something that those guys do very often. It's not something that they do a lot in individual. It's not something that they do a lot in practice, but it's critical when it gets into the game if that corner doesn't fit in the right spot. Make sure if you're scheduling your practice as a defensive coordinator that you have a section for nub run fits for the corner. I I think that that's critical, and I saw this corner in a good position for that. So, Coach, when you're looking at that in practice, is that something you would fit into individual? Are you going to make sure those reps are in team? Do you do something with that guy in specific, maybe group drills or half line that you get him there? How, what's your, been your approach for how you practice those run fits with the nub corner? Well, of recent, especially since COVID and even before COVID with the rules changing on how many times you can practice in training camp. With those changes, they've added walkthroughs. So there's, in the last three or four years, there's not as many practices that you used to have, but there's a lot more walkthroughs than you used to have. And so I think it's critical that you have very organized and detailed walkthroughs on techniques that you need to be able to execute in the game. And one thing that I used to do is in the off season and during training camp, we would go through segments of the walkthrough that were just individual techniques. And we would do individual techniques for run, 
and we would do individual techniques for pass. And so the corners don't have a lot of individual techniques for run. So I would make sure that the corners coach knew that, hey, when you have this time in the walkthrough, you better make sure that you're working nub run fits because that's one where your run fit is critical to our success. We would get a lot of those reps for the corners and all those extra walkthroughs in that technique run segment for the corner. Then on my practice checklist, one of the things that I have on there to practice in either inside run, okay, or in a team setting, one criteria is nub runs. If I'm going to be a team that doesn't play corners over, then I'm going to make sure that I have a segment on my checklist of numb runs. And we're going to get it worked in training camp and we're going to get it worked in spring ball so that those corners know exactly what their fit is versus a nub set. Coach, the other thing that Michigan saw was an unbalanced look. What did you see in their adjustment to unbalance? Northwestern lined up in a 12 personnel unbalanced look. So they had two wide outs and they had two tight ends to the same side. And Michigan checked a rotated quarters from a 3-4 look, which is very common. And what that means is that they're playing quarters, but they're switching positions and they're rotating to make sure they have enough people there to stop the run. So, you know, the, the field safety is, is playing his quarter technique on number two. The corner is playing his quarter technique on number one. And then the boundary safety for them came over and played the quarter flat position, which is usually what the outside linebacker plays. But since it's unbalanced and there's more people over there, he came over and played that position, and then the outside linebacker pushed back into the box. So they checked a rotated quarters look out of 3-4, which is pretty common for an unbalanced set as a check. But what I thought was interesting is Northwestern shift back, and there's different things you can do when they shift back. All right. If they shift back, if they don't motion back, if they truly just shift back, you really have time to get back to the original call. Mm -hmm. The issue is that everybody has to remember what the original call was, right? And get it communicated and do all that. The other thing that you can do is you just have a check that you run if they shift back. And that's what Michigan did. Okay. So they shifted back and you could see everybody checked. And everybody stayed in the same position. Everybody stayed in the same position. Everybody just bumped over, and the corner just played the tight end man-to-man, and they stayed in that rotated quarters coverage to the field. So Michigan did, did a good job of checking their defense to unbalance and then also executing their check that they do after they've made their unbalance check if the offense shift, shifts back into a, a normal set and, and they stopped them and they played good defense. And I thought that was impressive out of 11 personnel. That's when they were more of a four man front and they were in nickel defense and some simulated pressures were showing up. You know, it's like I said, it's, it's becoming the trend. Simulated pressures are becoming the trend in college football this year. And one simulated pressure that I saw Michigan run is, is two from the field, which, is the nickel and the outside backer from the field coming off the edge. And again, those are the same techniques. Those are tracks and razors. They're just different people doing it. And they were rotating down to a match three coverage with that. So what that means is 
is you want to show a two high and you want to show that that nickel is in quarters as an apex player. And then off the snap indicator, he's going to come off the edge and be the razor and the outside backer is going to be the track. And then the boundary outside backer, which, you know, the offense would call these guys defensive ends because it's a four man front. But if you're a three, four guy, they're outside linebackers because they're standing up. Mm-hmm. And so the, the boundary outside backer becomes a drop. And then the field safety drops down and replaces the nickel and the boundary safety rotates and plays the middle of the field. And now you're just playing cover three or match three. It's again, it's a, it's a great simulated pressure. It's the most common one. You're getting pressure off the field and you still got seven in coverage. And then another one that I saw him run, which is one of my favorite ones is a, is a middle simulated pressure. You know, a lot of times when the simulated pressures are run, the, end or outside linebacker, whatever you refer to him as, away from the pressure is a drop. So if somehow as an offense you can figure out where the pressure is coming from, you can also figure out which outside linebacker is a drop. Well, this middle pressure, the outside linebacker away from the pressure is not a drop. The outside linebacker to the pressure is the drop. It's a great changeup. And the way that they set it up, which I think is a great way to set it up, is they line up in a three and a G, and then the inside linebacker to the back runs the sim. And so what they're doing is, is they're like I talked about before, is anytime you run a simulated pressure, whoever has the one-on-one on the back must win. So what they're doing is they're guaranteeing, you know, if they're a slide away from the back team, that they're going to get that one-on-one with the linebacker and the running back but they're only going to be in a four-man rush. And, and they did that, and they executed it to a T. Now, another thing that I like about this simulated pressure is the safety now is replacing the inside backer that's running the pressure. And this particular pressure was run versus trips, and they were in um, cover three when they were running it. Well, you know, the weak hook defender in cover three is also the three over player. You know, three on an over is, is a weakness to cover three. So you have to assign somebody to match that if three goes on an over. And a lot of times the weak hook defender is an inside linebacker. And sometimes that's a mismatch with a speed number three and an inside linebacker covering him on an over. Well, in this particular simulated pressure, the boundary safety replaces the drop of the inside linebacker and he became the three over player and three did run it over and he had it covered. He was coming from depth. So he's able to play it easier than an inside linebacker and his skill is better to cover an over than an inside linebacker. And they ran it on third down. It was really well executed. And that's one of my favorite Sims to, to run for sure. And then, you know, they were also running week three and the reason they were running just straight run in week three is because they were running a lot of quarters. And so that's a great disguise for quarters. Week three is the boundary safety coming down into the box mm-hmm. because the mic is out there on three. The mic is out there on three, so it looks like it's quarters, you know. The inside backers pushed like they're on, on – uh, like the mic is on number three and, and the wheel linebackers on the other side – so it looks like it's a quarters concept, but then you drop the safety down and it's really a cover three concept, you know, and when they're running quarters, 
they were running it was a it was almost all eleven personnel. I didn't see any uh ten. Okay, so it was twelve and it was eleven was what Northwestern was giving them. And so when they were running their quarters, they were versus a tray set, which that's a three by one with a tight end to me, they were giving the Mike linebacker the vertical of the tight end. They're saying, hey, this tight end is a guy that our, our linebacker can cover on a vertical. And they were playing three over two on the two wideouts to the field. And they were just continuing to play a quarters concept to the single receiver side with the boundary safety. Now, again, that's a great disguise to drop into week three where that safety comes down to the box and you play a single high. But it's also good for the run because that quarter safety can be involved in the run because he's not responsible for any vertical. The Mike has the vertical of the tight end. So he's involved in the run game. And if it's a pass, the way you coach that quarter safety to the X receiver side is to key the release of X. And if S X inside releases, then you double X. And if X outside releases, then you look to help on any over route. And they were doing an excellent job of that coverage. Then, you know, Northwestern tried to attack them with a boot too. And, and they ran um, split zone boot sale in quarters. And that's a good way to attack quarters. Yeah. But, the quarter flat defender to the field did a great job of playing it. So if you're a quarter flat defender versus boot, you have to be able to defend the sale. And that technique is called sale out. As soon as you recognize that it's boot, or even if you recognize that it's a sale route, okay, you want to, you want to sail out with your technique. And what that means is, okay, is you want to run at a 45 to the numbers and get underneath the sail route and then get your butt to the sideline like a cover two corner. So, you know, cover two corners versus smash, how they, they, they drift off and they, mm-hmm. and they turn their shoulders and they play uh, in between the hitch and the corner route and they read the quarterback's shoulders to determine if they should break on the corner or whether they should break on the hitch. It's the same thing in quarters for the quarter flat defender versus sail. If he gets sale, he wants to push to the numbers and then get his butt to the sideline and play it like a cover two corner. So now he wants to hold the sale route, but also be ready to pick up the back and the flat based off the shoulders of the quarterback. And they, they did a great job of that. They ran boot sale into quarters and in the split zone boot in this quarter flat defender he had that sale covered because of his sale out technique of running to the numbers and then getting his butt to the sideline and being able to play that sale to the flat high to low based off the, the quarterback's shoulders. Now they also, you know, anytime you run a boot, you all, you always have an over route too. If number three is not blocking the end in, in this scenario, he wasn't it was split zone boot. So the fullback was going to the flat. I'm counting on the rush to stop the over. If number three doesn't block the edge rusher, then the rush should be there before you can throw the over route. Okay, now it was a nub set and the corner grabs it, which he should, but you don't need anybody underneath it if there's nobody blocking the end because the rush should be able to pull up the quarterback before he can get to the over route. Okay, and any time 
you're an end versus boot. It's critical that you contain, then force. So what that means is, is you have to have the quarterback contained. So, you know, sometimes the quarterback will get outside of you. Well, you want to run flat down the line to try to get him contained. Okay. You don't want to run up the field to force him if you don't have him contained. You want to run flat down the line and try to meet him on the line of scrimmage. But once you have him contained, it's critical that you force the throw. And so an end versus boot has to be a contain first, but then force. So he wants to contain the quarterback, but then force the throw. He has to do that versus boot. And they did a great job of that at Michigan playing that. Coach, let's talk a little bit about that end on boot. So you see multiple variations. You mentioned the kind that, you know, somebody's going to be there to give him a block. Uh, you mentioned a true naked where there's nobody there, uh, nobody coming towards him. I know for me, one of the things when we looked at our, our naked package was that we always wanted somebody to affect that guy. Now, we weren't going to block anybody on him, but we ran it a lot of, off of you know split looks where we had somebody coming across or, or a fullback coming at him, etc., with the idea that we wanted that guy to... Um, for a lot of what we would see in, in our conference, at least, was wrong arm technique. We wanted that guy to, to wrong arm, and then we had him, right? We were going to get the edge regardless because he, he turned his shoulders, and now that quarterback is just more athletic. But the difference is in that. I like that technique, and I, I agree. If you put him down the line, you're, you're going to get there and uh, and get him, and, and you do force quicker throws. But in that situation where a team's doing something to affect that end and, and getting him, obviously, to to run fit right attack the run first what kinds of techniques do you do like there versus a team who's going to do that and and how do you work a recovery if that guy gets too heavy into the run one of the most common is is the pin boot Mm -hmm. okay so where the the tight end will will pin the defensive end okay block 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 and then release and so it's it's not always like some people will say whoever's covering three if he blocks the end, then you pull the trigger. Well, what's going to happen is you're going to get beat on pin boot. And some people say the, re- the way that you stop pin boot is as soon as he pins the defensive end, the defensive end now has the tight end to the flat. And then the Mike Backer pulls the trigger. Got it. So that's one answer that some people have is as soon as he pins, we just switch responsibilities. So now the Mike pulls the trigger for contain. And as that end releases to the flat, the defensive end takes it to the flat okay but you know boot sale is one of the most common routes versus boot or naked all right and so when you sail out the quarter flat defender you can give up some yards when he dumps it to the flat by the time that quarter flat defender reacts so i like to have the two inside backers kind of key three and if three releases to the flat all right then the mic grab him and now that allows or the inside back of that side grab him and now that allows the quarter flat defender just to play the sail and that allows the end to contain but if they run a a a pin scheme then the mic backer now he can add on and then the backside backer could pick up the pin to the flat so when anytime you run boot your inside blindbackers 
if you're in a zone defense, you're not in a man defense, you're inside linebackers, the coaching points are robot and radar. And what that means is robot is the rollover player. So one of them is playing underneath the over, and then the DB that's covering the over is playing on top of the over. And then the radar player is the guy like I'm talking about that's going to try to figure out if he should take three to the flat or if he should second tank the quarterback. Got it. How about that split look? Again, whether that's out of 21 and in the fullbacks coming towards that end and then getting flat or you're like in 11 and you're bringing that tight end who's off the ball all the way across into the flats, but that feel of some kind of a split zone there. So one way that you can get an edge on that is the tight end, and we key this on defense, if he's running split zone, he's to the heel line of the offensive line. And if he's running split zone boot, there's a lot of space between him and the offensive line. So a lot of times the defensive ends, they recognize that you're just trying to avoid them based on the depth that the tight end is from the offensive line. And so you can get a technique edge there with your end. You know, every problem Keith, on defense, and I'm sure on offense too, there's two ways to fix every problem, right? There's technique or scheme. Right. You can either fix it with your technique or you can fix it with your scheme. And one technique fix for that particular split zone boot is the recognition of the tight end and the depth that he is from the offensive line and the defensive end knows not to wrong arm it because of how much space that tight end is from the offensive line. And if you're on offense, you know, that's something that you want to look at and make sure that you're doing so they can't get a beat on that. Right. Yeah, we we actually would spend a lot of time on that technique because it was, you know, something we did often. We liked that naked package with him coming across on our runs and then getting into the flat. So we we always, you know, a lot of teams I see will just try to slip that and avoid contact. We said we want contact. We don't want collision. We want contact. What we would do is just work a technique as we're coming into uh, into that guy. Is We're just ripping our arm across, almost like you would wrong arm. We're kind of wrong arming that guy, getting, our, getting across his face and trying to make it a contact, but not a full collision there. So, you know, what we really want is to induce him to, to really get everything into that block, potentially turn his, his hips and, and wrong arm. And that, that was the win for us. So I agree. If, if you can read that and you see the depth of it and, and it's a team that's avoiding the contact is definitely a key for you. I think it does become tougher if, if teams do really try to, uh, to get a piece of that guy before he goes. I agree. That can be difficult. Coach, you mentioned that you saw some stress to the trips. Talk to us about what that is and uh, what you saw from Michigan. Northwestern was in trips, three true wide receivers. Instead of playing a mini concept or a, a stubby concept, which those are read three concepts, um, I saw a couple snaps where Michigan played stress, which stress is the corner is playing in between one and two. He's sinking, playing depth in the divider in between one and two. And the field safety is playing in between two and three. And that allows you to leave your boundary safety back to double X. And they were playing cloud, I think, back on the backside. And it allows you not to get beat on many stubby beaters 
and it allows you to play a less athletic nickel or to play true four three personnel so that the the the, the uh, nickel slash sandbacker doesn't have to be responsible for number two on a vertical. They ran that a few times and had a lot of success with it. And I think you line up there and you show that you're in a read three concept, and that's what Michigan did. And then the corner shows that he's man on one, and then he bailed. You know, he bailed to depth and divider between one and two, and then the safety was playing in between two and three. And uh, they made some hay with that, and I thought it was effective. And it's, it's a trips adjustment that, like I said, allows you to keep a double on X but not have to worry about the matchup of the nickel slash Sam on the vertical at number two to the field. Coach, we always like to talk about some situations, and I know you noted some things on third downs this week. Talk to us about what you saw from Michigan on the third downs. One thing that I saw that I thought was really good is they ran a five-man man-free pressure versus 11 personnel. But the safety that was coming down came down to the back. Um, so two things that were good there was is the, the matchups looked like their back was more athletic than their tight end. This is Northwestern. So they were able to, to get a more athletic player on the back for when he released. But also, it gives you the disguise that you're in quarters to three by one because the mic is out there man to man on the tight end. And that's the same alignment that he would have been in, in a two high look because he would have to remove himself from the box with trips. So this was a way to play man free. And this was even a five man, man free and, and, and drop the safety down and give a two high look and, and take advantage of two things. One, the matchups, because they had a better cover guy on the better athlete on offense, and two, the disguise. And Michigan, throughout the whole game, did an excellent job on their safety safety disguise. I mean, they were holding them late, 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 and rotating either direction really good and, and did an excellent job in the disguise. You know, another thing I saw on third down was in Northwestern was third and one, and – they got in cut splits by the O line and the quarterback got under center and Michigan went to a sneak check. They went to a, a double Eagle look and the Mike walked up. Well, when they did that, Northwestern looked to the sideline and checked. Well, Michigan did a great job. They got out of it. They got it. When Northwestern looked to the sideline and checked, they got out of it and they went back to their original call and Northwestern threw a route to the flat and, and Michigan was there to defend it. So, that is an excellent job of being able to adjust on the run. And once you make a check, once the offense makes a check, you know, being able to get out of it and check into something else. And there's different ways to do that. You know, when the quarterback looks to the sideline, you have to practice and practice where, you know, the linebackers and the safeties make a call that alerts the whole defense that they need to look to the sideline. Mm -hmm. But you never want – the D line to look to the sideline, you know, because teams will have that fake look where they'll look to the sideline and then they'll snap it to the running back and, and run a run play. You always want your D line and their stances down and ready to go. Great coaching point. And so, you know, we, we would never allow the D line to look, we would allow the linebackers and the, and the um, 
safeties to look. And then, you know, the, they would communicate the calls to the D line and the corners. And so as soon as, you know, quarterback looks to the sideline, somebody alerts, Hey, you know, look, look, look. And then every, those guys on defense look over and then they communicate the call to the D line and the corners so that those guys are always ready to play regardless. So coach, you mentioned that with the, the D line and I 100% agree because if, if you're looking with the D line, I know teams are going to scheme you up and, and try to trick you now. And if you remember seeing it last year, I believe it was the Alabama LSU game, or maybe it was two years ago. I can't, I can't remember, but I, in that game, the corner was pressed. They looked to the sideline and as soon as they looked, they snapped the ball and he was beat, you know, on a fade route down the sideline. Do you have any coaching points for your guys that when they're looking from the corner, do you like them to back off first to avoid that situation? Or what kinds of things have you done to make sure that they can't get you there? Again, I like the safeties and the linebackers to do the look. And I like the the corners to stay in coverage. And I like the D-line to stay with their hands down in technique. And then the communication is from the safeties and the linebackers. Um, to the D line and to the corners. I don't want those guys to be in that situation. Yeah. And so, you know, if I had a press corner, I would want him to stay as a press corner. And then he would have to count on the communication from the safety in order to get that. Right. Now here's the, here's the ironic thing. You offensive guys don't think about this. Where do we have noise and communication problems on defense is the opposite of what you guys have on offense. We don't have noise problems on road games because when the opposing team's offense is on the field, everybody's quiet. <laughs> right. 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 We, we, we have, we have noise problems on home games. So our communication, sometimes we have to practice it. At home. I always thought it was ironic is we would, we play three home games in a row and never practice crowd noise. You know, if I was working for an offensive head coach, and then the first away game, we had crowd noise that we're practicing. And I was like, well, we've had, we've had this problem for three weeks. We never practiced it. You know what I mean? Yeah, good point. Away games, you know, there's, it's easier for a defense to communicate on away games mm-hmm. because the opposing team's crowd is quiet when the offense is on the field. Back to uh, the pressures, the double mug zero. A lot of double mug. I've seen that quite a bit here over the last few years. Certainly has become popular. And something that Michigan does, the double mug zero. I saw Michigan get into a, a double mug uh, look and then run a zero pressure out of it. And the two inside backers were, were both coming, but they, they were reading the slide of the center. And so whichever inside backer got the slide, which means the center came to him, then he popped out and he became a rat player. And when he did this, this guy got underneath. It was like a third and eight or something. And he thought, he did a good job because he dropped, he got enough depth to the sticks and he got underneath a uh, over route that prevented the quarterback from completing it. Got, got in his vision and made him throw it high. And I think that's an excellent way to run a double a gap pressure with the two inside backers, especially if you're in a zero, cause you got all that space for them, the offense to complete it behind you is whoever gets the slide pop out because you're a waste. The other guy is going to get the one-on-one on the back, which mm-hmm. is what you want. Yeah. And so now that guy can be a factor, you know, um, 
in, in, in throwing lanes for the quarterback, and they did a great job of that. I also saw him on third down run one cross. So, you know, in cover one, in cover one, you can uh, – the safety that comes down in cover one, you can assign him different places to come down. He can come down to the tight end, which would be like a one Y concept. Okay. He could come down to the running back, which is what we talked about already. Okay. Which would be like a one, a one T concept. Okay. Or if it's a four man rush, man free, that means you're going to have, you know, a low hole defender, or he could come down and he could be the hole, Mm -hmm. the low hole player. And to me, and I call that one cross. And the good thing about one cross on third down is he can come to a depth of the sticks and be able to defend routes at the sticks and show a too high look for a long time. I think it was third and eight and um, Michigan ran one cross and that safety came down about right at eight yards. And sure enough, there, there was a dig route at eight yards and he was right there to prevent the throw. And then the pressure got there and, and they got off the field. So anytime you're in man three, you can assign the safety that's coming down to come down to three different locations. He can come down to one Y, which means he comes down to the tight end. He can come down to one T, which means he comes back down and covers the tailback. Okay. Or, okay. He could come down and play one cross, which means it's a safety away from trips usually because you're cutting away from speed. He comes down and he plays the hole. And on third down, it's critical that he comes down from the sticks down that his cleats are in the ground at the sticks and he plays everything top down and they did that. And it was an excellent job. Now, do you like those game plans where he's going or do you just carry a package of them and, and you account for it in the call? So you put it in to where it's in the call, but then when you're going to call it is probably game plan. And so the tight end, the back, their personnel body types, are critical because which one is going to be tougher for your linebacker to cover, right? Mm -hmm. Is their tight end going to be tougher to cover or is their running back going to be tougher to cover? And so that's where you're going to want to put your safety is to the guy that's tougher to cover. But also like I talk about is what's your other coverage zone coverage that you're running and, and what kind of look are you trying to show? You know, if you're trying to show a too high look, then a one T or a one cross would be great because that has the linebacker out on the tight end versus trips. And so that's the same look that he's going to show in zone. But if you're playing cover three, maybe as your zone, then you're going to want to run one Y so that it shows us two inside linebackers in the box and that that safety's coming down, you know, to show, um, to show single high look. So matchups, are critical to where you put that safety and your look, your opposing look is critical to where you put that safety. Well, coach Michigan has a big game this week. They're number six going into the game. Uh, they're playing Michigan state who I believe is number eight going into the game. So big matchup here, obviously a big rivalry in the state of Michigan. So it's going to be a fun game to watch here. I agree. It'll be fun to watch. Looking forward to it. Coach, I look forward to speaking with you again next week after we watch some ball and get after it on the defensive side again. Me too. Can't wait.